Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Ryan Mickler from The Order of Man. And if you want to learn how to build better business friendships, you should definitely be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chappell, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, we are bringing on another amazing guest. This guy is a fellow podcaster, but he has been doing it at a really high level for a long time long time. His name is Ryan Mickler. Ryan is the founder of Order of Man, which is one of the largest men only, men focused, I should say, podcasting brands out there. He's a husband, father, Iraqi combat veteran and founder of Order of Man. Ryan grew up without a permanent father figure and has seen firsthand how a lack of strong, ambitious, self-sufficient men has impacted society today. It's now become his life's mission to help men across the planet step more fully into their roles as protectors, providers, and presiders over the themselves, their families, their businesses, and their communities. You can find him blogging and podcasting over at The Order of Man. I highly recommend checking out his show if you are a dude that is listening right now. And if you need more convincing, then all you got to do is tune into this episode where I dive deep into a few of these things with Ryan. We talk about how to start a hit podcast. If you want to start a hit podcast, 
We talk about that in this show. You might be surprised at a couple of things that we mentioned in here. We talk about how crucial developing skills is in your life. Um, then we talk about how to teach your kids to have a strong work ethic and duplicate some of the amazing things that people like Ryan have been able to achieve. So, so many things that we cover here in this episode. But first, before we get into that, if you are a six or seven figure business owner, then pay attention. If you want to know how to create and maintain relationships with some of the people that I've had on my show, and you want to become an authority in your niche, have your dream clients or customers come to you and amplify your message to the masses, then I challenge you with this. Make it your goal to start a podcast in 2020. My only regret in my podcasting journey was waiting. I knew that I wanted to launch a show in probably like October of 2016 or so, but I didn't actually hit the launch button until August of 2017, almost a full year later. And that waiting period just cost me nothing but time and money. So stop waiting and just get started. But you're going to want to get started the right way, or you're just going to continue to waste time and money. And that's where I come in. I help high-level entrepreneurs just like you create, grow, launch, and monetize podcasts. So if you are a six or seven-figure business owner and you want to see if we would be a good fit to work together to get your show out into the world, then head over to travischapel.com slash apply. It's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash apply to book a discovery call and we will chat really soon. And now here is my conversation with Ryan Mickler. Ryan, what is up, my man? Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. You bet, Travis. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. So uh, for those people out there that don't know you, I want to kind of start a little bit earlier on in the story here. I, I usually go back a little bit further than most people, so bear with me, but I think it's important. So okay. uh, I always find it super intriguing how people got to from being 12, 13, 14 years old and probably being pushed toward a certain career path and trajectory for their lives. And then when they end up in a totally just unique situation that could not have been dreamed of at 12 or 13. I'm always curious of what happens in between those points. So talk to me about 12, 13 year old Ryan, like what, you know, what were you like in school? What kind of interests, likes, dislikes? Uh, what were you trying to do when you grew up? That's an interesting way to look at it. I'm, I'm trying to think of me at 12 or 13. My oldest son is 11. And it's hard for me to think of myself at his age. <laughs> yeah. But thinking about it, you know, it's probably into cars, I think as as a child, I really wanted to be an engineer of sorts or uh, an architect or design cars. I wanted to do something in that field all the way up into high school. I actually really had an affinity for my CAD classes and engineering classes. I went into college and ended up losing my uh, my academic scholarship in the first you know, semester of college because I just didn't go. But I went into a pre-engineering program. So that was that was the route that I was going to take. I ended up joining the military when I was 17. So I was in the National Guard. We, we did a deployment in 2001. No, 2002. Uh, stateside, that was for the Olympics. Uh, we did another one in 2003, which was in Fort Lewis in Washington. Then another one in 2005. So that I don't want to say that derailed me because that actually defined a lot of uh, a lot of who I was. But that changed the trajectory for me from engineering, and then I ended up getting into retail management, which is a whole other conversation. And then <laughs> eventually, when I got so when my National Guard unit got activated in 2005, my wife and I had just been married for I want to say like five months four or five months, maybe. Yeah, right in there, four or five months. And uh, I had gone down to Southern California to open a brand new clothing store down there at the mall that was opening in, in a new mall down there in Southern California. And uh, I ended up going to Iraq. She moved home to Utah with her folks while I was gone. And 
we knew that when I got back, we didn't want to get into retail because in order to advance within the company, we'd have to bounce around from place to place. And I was going to different stores and, you know, I wanted to, to expand within the company, but I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I ended up meeting with a, uh, with a financial advisor because we had saved some money. I met with him on a leave from Iraq. I was home for two weeks and met with a financial advisor. And he said that he was hired. He was looking for two new advisors. So I took all of my study materials back to Iraq with me, uh, studied for my insurance and investment exams, my downtime, came home, passed the exams. And I did that for about a decade before diving into order of man, which is a huge and strange leap, but we can definitely talk about that as well. Yeah. So uh, there's so many different things yeah, that are like firing place, up. Man. Yeah. And, but that, that's the awesome thing though, is that I think a lot of people don't do that. They don't test, they don't experiment, they don't jump into something, give it their all and figure out if this is something that they want to do in the future. I mean, right? I wish I could tell you it was deliberate that I was, that I was testing, that there yeah. was even that much thought behind it. But frankly, there wasn't, it was yeah. just kind of, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And I guess I'll try this. It really wasn't as intentional as you're making it sound. So yeah. I appreciate that, but not not yeah. quite that. Just, that, just, uh, just take thoughtful. the props, bro. Just take the props. <laughs> yeah. Um, Got it. I'm curious to know if you had if you felt like you had any like cultural pressures or, or or familial pressures to take the path that you did right out of high school, or if that was something that was just like you felt on the inside that you wanted to do. Are you talking about my military uh, experience or, or yes. something else? Or? Yeah, yeah, military. Yeah. Yep. So my dad was out of the picture, unfortunately, when I was about three years old. You know, I, okay. I knew him because we, yeah, I never doubted he loved me. I think he was a good, a good man. Fell short in a lot of ways, as we all do. But I had some other stepfathers come into my life that really weren't that great examples of, of what it meant to be a man and a husband and a father. And so, I, you know, my, my mom primarily raised me on, on her own and my sister as well. There wasn't any pressure really from, from her to join the military or to take one path or the other, whether it's college or not college. She was excited for me to pursue a military, I won't say career, because I didn't join with the intention of making a career, but more of an experience. And uh, she was supportive of it. She didn't pressure me to go down that route and really allowed me to make my own decisions and support me in any way that, that she could. And she has up until this day. Yeah. Uh, whether that was military or delivering pizzas in college, all the way up to what we're doing here with Order of Man. Very, very supportive. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters 
is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So it seems like you have a pretty fantastic relationship with her then. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's, uh, she's on the other side of the country. Literally, she's in California, I'm in Maine. So we're about as far apart in the country as you can get. But we have a great relationship. And she's always been very, very supportive of me and my endeavors. How much of that influence in terms of the way that she parented you have you taken into parenting your kids but with the perspective of being like the father in the, like that, that man, uh, masculine presence, like, like, cause obviously yeah. you learn a lot from your mom and there's, uh, there's some things that, uh, you, you, you wish you could learn from your dad. Hey, like what, what principles practices and just for some context here, my wife and I just had our first, uh, child about four and a half months ago, almost five months now, actually. Oh, um, yeah, his name is Cameron. And so these are things that I'm obviously wondering about more and more these days. So, uh, yeah, talk to me about like some of the, the top things that you kind of took away from your mom that you were able to implement as a dad and maybe even to be able to like expound on it better because you you were that masculine presence for your kids. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I run an organization called Order of Man. And anytime I put information out, it seems inevitable that somebody's gonna reach out, usually a woman, who will say something like, This this applies to women as well. And I agree. 95%, maybe even more of what we talk about would apply to both men and women. It just so happens that we work with men exclusively. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it's exclusive to men. Now, there are some things that the way we go about communicating a message or the way that we go about pursuing our roles and, and, and how we're going to step up, you know, that, that's obviously going to be different. But I learned a lot about work ethic and discipline and commitment and, you know, embracing doing things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you committed to doing, being a human being of your word. All of that was, was taught by my mom. The things that I felt like I was lacking as a young man, a boy and a young man, is not understanding the raw masculine energy that, that was coursing through my veins and not fully understanding how to harness it. And I think that's a big gap in society now is we have these boys who are growing up without a masculine fatherly presence and they don't know how to harness the anger and the testosterone and the propensity for, for violence and physical strength, the desire that we have innately as men to be more prone to taking risk. And so we see these young men who are dealing with some difficult circumstances, but don't know how to harness what it means to be a man. And I felt like I was missing that at home. And fortunately, my mother knew that as well. So she got me very involved in sports. I was involved with, with scouting for a little while because she recognized that there was a need for me to be around other boys and men who could help harness some of that, that she didn't know how to harness because she's not a man and really use what it means to be a man, that masculine presence and energy and testosterone for productive outcomes. 
Yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's I mean, that's huge respect and mad props to your mom for being able to recognize that she couldn't provide both of those energies in your life and then putting you in a situations where you could still get that and develop because yeah. it's obviously not something that ever prevented you from feeling like that you could express that side of yourself, you know, and, and now you have an entire brand and business and organization that's dedicated to just that. Do you feel like you are doing a lot of what you're doing now to provide that for maybe young boys who don't really have a lot of that presence in their life is that like a reason uh, yeah for that? i mean that's that's an ultimate reason for what i'm doing you know for my for my own boys i have three boys and a girl and i think that's where you start to find fulfillment is you look for solutions to the problems that you had and you fix them you know i saw i don't want to say injustice necessarily but i mean maybe that is the right word i saw an injustice in that i didn't have a father figure in the home and i know there's millions and millions of young boys who are in my situation or in the situation I was in or worse. And I feel like I have a moral obligation to provide some of the solutions to that specific problem. Now we work a lot with men because I think that if a man can learn to step up and make himself more capable as a well-rounded man, he's naturally going to be a more capable husband, a more capable father. He's going to be engaged in the home. He's going to have the emotional intelligence, the intellect, the ability to lead, the ability to earn an income that provides flexibility so he can be at home. So Mm. we're working at it through men, and that will trickle down into the household and communities and businesses and everywhere else and then show up. So I I definitely want to spend some time talking about Order of Man here in a second. But before we do, let's kind of complete this story here. So we were working basically selling, it was life insurance and like financial plans. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Financial planning, retirement services, investments, insurance, all that fun stuff. So you did it for a decade, which means that uh, you had to have seen a little bit of success with it, right? (laughs) uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it took a while. Frankly, it took me until I stepped out on my own. Uh, I went for about five or six years working with another firm and really got my feet under me and had some success there. But it wasn't until I branched out on my own and started my own registered investment advisory firm that I really started to take off. And yeah. learn some of the skills of marketing and networking that I know we're probably going to address as well. So yeah, so that that's one thing that I want to spend some time on because I find that especially in today's culture that there's a lower and lower emphasis on schooling and a higher and higher emphasis on doing. And I'm wondering, since you kind of had a little bit of both of those experiences, which one you typically recommend a young person go through if their end goal is like something like about what you're doing, whether you know business, marketing, sales, something like that in general, like what path would you suggest a you know 18, 19, 20 year old would take? Uh, look, the only reason to go to college is if you need a degree, a degree to pursue that career path. So I'm not going to knock college. I think there's a lot of value in someone gaining a formal education. Obviously, I don't want my brain surgeon to have not gone through formal training and education, obviously. But there's no reason in the world why I should go to college. The only benefit potentially of me going to college was to build up some communication skills and the network because who for especially my financial planning practice if you think about who goes to college it's attorneys it's doctors it's high income earners and so that would have been great as i was building my financial planning practice but outside of that i would prefer experiential learning with the mindset of learning in fact one of my close friends who actually ended up buying my financial planning practice we got into the business about the same time his whole family is dentists dad's a dentist i think he has two uncles who are dentists he has either one or two brothers-in-law who are a dentist, and then his brother is a dentist. So he's surrounded by dentists. And he's the black sheep in a way because he took his exams. I can't, I, I, 
can't remember what the dental exam is called, but he took those exams and he was getting ready to go to dental school. He decided not to, and he pivoted into financial planning. And I really like his mindset because I remember what he was saying about it. He said, I'm going to take what I was going to invest in college and invest it over four years to building up my financial planning practice. And Mm -hmm. he's done very, very well for himself because he had the mentality of experiential learning, getting out into the field, but a mindset of gaining that education and that knowledge so that he could build his financial planning practice on something strong, a strong foundation. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people use it in the way that I worded the question, which means that like they look at it as learning versus doing instead of over here, you're doing, but you're learning while you're like, you're, you earn while you learn instead of paying right. to learn. You're actually making money and you're learning. And one of the bigger issues that I have with schooling for the most part is that it kind of teaches you to only be in a learning phase until you get a piece of paper that says like, okay, you're done learning now. And Mm -hmm. uh, it it like almost promotes a culture of a finite period of learning in your life. Once you're 22 and you have this piece of paper that says you can do this thing now, then it's like, all right, now you go do it. Now you go do it for 50 years and like, you'll get better at it just because you're doing it. But you know, no reason to get intentionally better or to learn all the time because like your degree says the same thing as the degree next to you. So, you know, not really a big deal. Whereas what your friend did is more of like, I'm on a lifelong journey of learning and uh, I'm going to take that just as seriously as I would a college degree. And to prove that like, I'm going to be learning during this time. I'm also going to invest money into learning and into my business that I would have been investing into school. And uh, I I love that mentality of like, hey, it's not just one or the other, like it's both. The experience is going to benefit me more in the long run, probably than just like sitting in a classroom. Right. Well, I think there's downsides to both. There's, there's benefits to both, but I think there's downsides to both as well. I think you could fall into some sort of entitlement trap or mentality by going to the school, believing that because you went through school and you paid a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, that now you're entitled to a job, you're entitled to a career path. It's going to make you happy and make you wealthy. And obviously, we know that's not the case. The downside of the we'll just call it the entrepreneurial path is laziness because it's you know we see on social media, we see everybody living these you know jet setter lifestyles and and you know rolling around in fancy cars with beautiful women and they're on the beach with their laptop and and we're led to believe that we can just be lazy or be sloppy in the pursuit of an entrepreneurial endeavor and that it's just going to work out. And in my experience, anyways, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but in my experience, <laughs> it's anything but, you know, sipping my ties on, on the beach 24 seven. Yeah. What? Are you kidding me, yeah. right? Why am I doing this then, bro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's such a great point to bring up, especially in this culture now where, where they're, you know, being an entrepreneur is cool and the term is just thrown around so loosely yeah. Yeah. and everybody claims to be an entrepreneur. It's like, no, 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 not having a job doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur, my man. Like, right. I hate to right. break it to you. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, words have meaning and it's unfortunate that much of society has tried to redefine a lot of what these words mean and therefore it's a lot of cloudiness and hazy about the actual reality of the situations we find ourselves in. That's exactly what you just said it perfectly right there. Like it's the reality of the situations. And most of the time we label ourselves as something that sounds better than what our reality is. So like if your reality is like waking up at 1030 AM nursing a hangover, like in your mom's basement when you're like 31 years old, but you have like three people that pay you to run their social media and then you call yourself an entrepreneur, right. like you're just trying to explain, you're, you're trying to make yourself sound the best possible way because you don't want to face the reality of the fact that most of what you're doing is a waste of time and you're not spending any time 
making yourself better. <laughs> like, right. I mean, it's this guy who, who has the business card and that says as a title VP of sales. And it's like, no, bro, you're the intern. you're just you're just setting yourself up for failure when you do that and i get it you know there's a lot of posturing and there's these ideas of fake it until you make it but but don't be somebody you aren't and nobody cares if you're the intern right if you're the intern cool be the best damn intern there ever was work your way up and and own it like you said and grow you know develop get better earn the title yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it really just proves titles don't, you know, mean anything. No. And, uh, and it's crazy how, how much weight people give to titles. I've just so you just to context again, I've, I've never had a job. I had a job for like five weeks, basically one time. And that, that was the most I could ever do it. Other than that, I was 100% commission sales. And then now, you know, running my, my podcasting business and stuff. And I was always blown away by that. Everybody's like, well, I want this title. I want this title. Like, I was astonished, Ryan, to figure out that people actually like in their contract negotiations in their job, like companies will go back with a negotiation and be like, well, we can't give you a raise, but we'll give you this title. And people are like stoked Jeez, for it. Thanks. And I'm like, right. I'm like, wait, what? You're actually excited about that? Just because you can replace the little placard on the outside of your door with something like VP of sales right. instead of like director of sales. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. So yeah, like, no, thanks. I'll take the 50 grand. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I just want more money on the paycheck. You can call me whatever the hell you want to call me. Exactly. Like, like you can call in, me an intern. Uh, I don't give like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> When I was in retail clothing, I remember one case in particular, this woman came in and she, she wasn't fat, she wasn't obese, but she was a bigger gal, right? Mm-hmm. And I could tell that there was some hesitancy in me helping her. And she told me her size, and I don't even remember her size right off the bat, but she told me her size and I'm like, okay, there's no way this is what this woman's size is. But I, I was, you know, I gave her the size that she asked for and I gave her another size that was probably more accurate. And she ended up fitting in those, right? So she comes out and she's like, yeah, but I'm just not, let's just say it's a 10. I'm just not a 10. I'm like, look, I don't care. Nobody cares. If you want me to write eight on that tag, I can do that. But those look good. They fit you well. Do you like them or not? And she's like, yeah, I like them. I'm like, God, just get over <laughs> it. It doesn't matter, you know? But we get so yeah. consumed with our titles and our roles. nouns, man. Yeah. The nouns, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you follow Brian Callen at all, but uh, I was watching his recent stand-up special on Amazon Prime, and and he was actually talking about that. It was like, he gets pretty philosophical in the in the stand-up, but he was talking about that how like we just want to assign nouns to people, yeah, because yeah, like that's how we make sense of how people exist, and that's how we make sure. sense of how we communicate with them. So we want to assign really positive nouns to ourselves, words like entrepreneur and uh, VP of sales and things like that, things that make us seem better and of a higher stature or position in sure. life, even though they have no bearing on who we really are. Right. We look to those titles to save ourselves from the thought that we might not be who we think we are, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to face the reality of our own inadequacies. But yeah. if you want to grow, that's exactly what you'll do. It's uncomfortable. Like who wants to look in the mirror and say, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. But you can either do that or you can just maintain the level of mediocrity that you found yourself in. You don't get to play both, both sides of the coin on that one. What's crazy is the opposite also happens with those people is that they look in the mirror and they, they want to assign titles to the state that they want to be in. But then they also suffer from imposter syndrome on the flip side mm-hmm. because they're like, I don't feel like I deserve to get these recognitions or these titles that I'm portraying myself to be in even though I know I don't deserve to be there and it's like this this, yeah this totally polarizing thing that doesn't even make any sense it's like you're on this end of the extreme and on this end of the extreme all because like your mindset is really what it comes down to is like the way that you view yourself isn't healthy the way that you view yourself is through the lens of how the world views you instead of how 
you should be viewing you, right? Yeah, so yeah, there's just, there's so much need for the stuff that you talk about on the show and, and helping people with these types of things. What's a couple of things that you have learned through the creation of your brand, of your content? Because obviously as a content creator, I know that you have a certain responsibility and accountability to always be researching the things that you put out and, and making yourself better at your own craft. And that's been one of like the biggest like happy side effects for me of running my show is like, now I've read, you know, the top 10 books on networking, and I've interviewed 250 plus people on networking, and you learn more about those things than you even think that you're going to be able to. So what, what are a couple of things that, that you've learned all, along the lines of what we were just talking about in terms of like instilling better confidence, having healthy self esteem levels, like overcoming imposter yeah. syndrome, not gluing yourself to the title, things like that. What are a couple of things that you've learned that maybe you didn't expect to learn by doing this? Uh, maybe I'll try to give a couple of things that you wouldn't normally think of that maybe aren't common common responses to a question like this. I would say number one is always consider yourself a marketer. You're a marketer. I didn't change my financial service or financial planning practice. It didn't really start to take off and grow until I realized that I wasn't a financial advisor who needed to learn how to market or who needed to market. I was a marketer who happened to be marketing financial services. I am today a marketer who happens to offer solutions for men who want to make themselves more capable. In 30 years, maybe I'll be a marketer of, I don't know, I don't know, archery equipment. Pick something. It really doesn't matter what that second component is. You can be successful in anything, but that first component, marketing, is crucial. If you're marketing a product or a service, or even in your personal life, if you're marketing yourself to a member of the opposite sex, you're a man or you're a woman, but you're a marketer of yourself. So the way that you present yourself matters. And that would lead into my second point is that People aren't interested in things that are not visually appealing. They're just not. And I hear from all kinds of men, every day, men, real men don't care about the way they look. Well, that's bullshit. Everybody, if that was really the case, you wouldn't shower, you wouldn't ever shave, you'd probably run around naked because that's way more comfortable than putting clothes on. You'd probably let your gut go a little bit. Like you'd live a completely different life if you really didn't care what other people think, or you really didn't care how you look. So whether we're talking about your grooming or your logo or the way that you deliver a message, one thing that I am very, very intentional of, and I'm still learning, is being articulate and clear and concise with the words I use. Mm -hmm. Try not to use a lot of fillers and ums and ahs and rights and I think and those sorts of things that cloudy up and muddy the, the message. So the way that you present yourself, the way you look, the way you communicate, the things behind you in a video, all of that stuff matters. Even the little things that you don't necessarily think of and that you think other people won't recognize as well. That does something not only for the way that people perceive you, but it helps you too. Like it would be easy for me to say, you know, I built this office the way that it is so that people will view me in a certain light. And sure, that's taken into consideration. But also, I'm more productive when I get up and I shower and I get ready for the day. I could sit here in my boxers, which I'm not, by the way. <laughs> I could, but I get up and I get ready and I put pants on. And they're not the dirty ones I found in the laundry. Like, they're clean and they were folded. And I pulled them out of the drawer. And this office is conducive to me producing a podcast that's going to be effective. When I sat down to have this conversation... I didn't show up late on, or not ready or capable of having a conversation with you. I had an idea of what we were going to talk about. I'm in the right mindset because all of that stuff matters. It matters to the people listening. 
And it matters to me and how I feel about the product, whether it's myself or a service that I'm putting out into the world. Yeah, I think that last point you touched on is probably the most important part is that it matters to you. Because I think people take their reputation with other people more seriously than they take their reputation with themselves. I think that that's a really, really just glaring oversight. Because I think that if you can build a better reputation with yourself, then you won't have to really worry about reputation with other people. It'll just kind of like happen along the same way. Because nobody's there with you, Ryan, right? There's like, there's nobody there, like making sure that, well, you better put some pants on and they better be clean pants and like, make sure that you're groomed, make sure you took a shower, like make sure your bed is made before you like go out and get your morning cup of coffee. Like there's nobody there telling you to do that. And nobody would know the difference. I wouldn't know. Like if if you didn't tell me that I wouldn't know, bro. Like I'm looking at a, a head, a hat, a glorious beard and a shirt. That's what I'm seeing right now, right? So you could have been sitting there in your boxers, but the bottom line is you know in your mind if you cut corners. You know if you cheat. And when you do cut those corners and when you do cheat, that's the reputation that you build with yourself. And that's how you're going to portray yourself to be in other people because that's who you subconsciously believe yourself to be, whether or not you've actually consciously thought about it. And so, a base, if I can interject here real quick. I've yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. Uh, my high school baseball coach, 20 years ago, we're still friends. I talk with him still. He had this phrase that I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it because every year at one time he was our high school football coach, basketball coach, and baseball coach. And I played football and baseball. And mm-hmm. every year we were responsible for buying our own uniforms every single year, every single sport. And the, the statement that he would make was, if you look good, you play good. If you look good, you play good. And that's mm. always stuck with me. If you get up and you shower and you groom yourself and you take care of yourself and you go into a work environment that brings you fulfillment and peace and you're surrounded by the things that you like and you've, you've created an environment and a space where you can be effective and efficient, you're going to play better than if you didn't do that. That's why when I get into mm. some, somebody's car, and I see that they've got, you know, a bunch of trash sitting on the seat and they got to like clear a spot for the trash. They've got like dirty clothes in the back. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? That will, whether you realize it or not, that the way that you have your car, I guarantee that spilling over into your professional performance. Hmm. I guarantee that spilling over into personal relationships. It's yeah. the old adage. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. What's up, everyone? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite podcasting app, Himalaya. If you're not listening to podcasts on this new app, you're definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your app store or Google Play store and download Himalaya today and thank me later. There's so many different veins that we could take that one part of this conversation. So let's let's kind of divert back into into the story here. So we start seeing some success in the financial industry, and then yeah, it sounds like about four or five years into owning your own firm, you start doing some things for the order of man. Around what year or around what time period did you start like kind of getting that itch where you were like, I need to be doing something a little bit bigger than this, or or maybe maybe more meaningful or something I'm more passionate about or whatever that catalyst was. So I had owned my financial planning practice, I want to say roughly three years. And what I was doing is I was, I recorded 10 to 15 minute audio introductory pitch for lack of a better term. And I would put it on CDs. I ran the stables and got some blank CDs and had like a cover printed up and everything. And I would give it to potential clients. Hmm. I'd say, listen to this. 
And what I noticed is that as I was giving this stuff to potential clients, they were coming in and my conversion rates for those people who came in to visit with me started to increase. So the people that came in to visit with me that actually became clients was increasing. I'm like, why is this the case? What I realized is because of the audio CD that I had sent out, they were qualifying or disqualifying themselves before they even came into the meeting. So that's when I realized, whoa, there's actually power in audio. There's power in somebody just hearing something. Interesting. So at that time, so that must have been 2013-ish, I'll say, 12, 13. At that time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I thought, well, if the CD thing works, like why not do some podcasting? So I started a podcast called Wealth Anatomy. And it was a podcast geared towards helping medical professionals, doctors, dentists, chiropractors, veterinarians, et cetera, with their financial planning practice. And I thought to myself, man, no self-respecting, highly educated doctor is ever going to ask for my financial advice just by hearing something on a podcast. And I remember the first call that I got from somebody who wanted to become a client. It was a pediatric physician. And he said, hey, I'm calling you. I need disability insurance. Now, this is weird. Nobody calls anybody for disability insurance. It's just the way it works. Like You have to actually go out and pursue that business. So he's mm. calling me for disability insurance. Then on top of that, he says, I need these features. And he lists off a, a whole list of features that he wants in his disability insurance policy. No, no doctor knows anything about disability insurance, let alone has a list of features they want him included in the policy. So I asked him, I said, obviously you've been, you've been searching around, you're well-versed in this stuff, you know what you want. Like, are you shopping around? Do you already have a policy? Like, how do you know this stuff? Very simply, he said, oh, I listened to your podcast on disability insurance and I just wrote down everything that you listed. <laughs> That's when the light bulb clicked for me. I was like, man, this audio thing yeah. is powerful. I'm, Game I'm, over, yeah. I'm, I'm directly plugged into somebody's brain. And I started picking up medical professionals as clients for my financial planning practice. Hmm. And I did about 20 episodes, not a whole lot, not at all, just barely in the game, if at all. Yeah, I did about 20 episodes, realized, you know what, I love the medium of podcasting. I'm just not interested in this conversation. So in March of 2015, I canceled that podcast, kept doing the financial planning. And I said, instead, I just I want to talk with men who I'm motivated by, who I'm inspired by. I've got an idea of what it takes to have a, a, a podcast and be somewhat successful and interview people. So if I do this, I'll be able to, to talk with them and in a way get free coaching from these guys. Yeah. And all I'll have to do is publicize it, right? Make it available for the public. And that's what I did. And in March of 2015, I launched the Order of Man podcast. And that very first podcast I did almost quadruple what my highest download day was ever with the financial planning podcast. And since then, it's been off to the races. It's just wow. continues to grow exponentially. What do you think it was that made it so much better? I would like to say that... <laughs> that I can communicate a message well, that, that what I'm sharing is done correctly and in a way that resonates with people. I think that's all true, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of fortune in the way that we, that we I was going to say that we timed the market. I didn't time it. It was just fortunate that I happened to step into a market that was much needed and that men wanted. Yeah. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. It's like that adage of opportunity, right? Yeah. It, it, opportunity is when, when, or excuse me, luck is when opportunity and preparation meet. Right. And that's so, what I feel like it was like. 
So, so one thing I want to point out though here is that like some people will look at that and they'll be like, see, it's all about luck. And sometimes you just got to get lucky and stuff like that. One thing I want to point out here is this is 2015. At what year would you have started like your professional career? Like when you're 21, 22? You're talking about with the financial planning? In any career type. Like when did you oh, start oh, yeah, earning yeah, yeah. I would say 21, 22 out of college at some point, yeah. you know, 22, 23, somewhere in there. So how long from then until you launched that show in March of 2015? Oh, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm 38 now. So that would have been, what was that, 15 years? I guess since, well, so I started five years ago. So 11, 10, 11 years. Yeah. And how many things did you do? You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. what I, I want to I point this so out because I think it's really important because like, yes, like timing was great and you struck a chord with a certain segment of people and you built really niche content and the timing was great and then it started to take off and all those things are true. And like some of it is, is like we were talking about a little bit luck of the timing. But the point in me saying this is like you tried so many different things along the way. Like you were always willing to test. You were always willing to like work hard at something, study something, get better at something, branch out on your own, do something different. And then one of those times, like it only takes one of those times to get lucky. That's the biggest thing is I see so many people just like chalk it up to luck and they only look at that one just teeny tiny particular instance, but they don't look at the previous 10 years of financial planning services that you did that probably was responsible for your ability to communicate better, communicate more clearly, have a good message, gain the clarity that it takes to start a show and and build content around that particular topic. There's so many things that happened in the previous 13, 14, 15 years leading up to that, that enabled you to really take advantage of the quote unquote luck, right? And it's so much more than just being lucky. And I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think a lot of people believe that if we don't, here's what I see people do is they'll, they'll get paralyzed, right? Because of all the choices and they'll analyze everything and then they won't take any action. And part of the reason they won't is because they believe if they take one course of action, that they're eternally bound to that course of action. And if they deviate from that course of action, then they wasted however much time, attention, energy, resources, finances that went into that course of action. So it would have been very easy for me to say, well, I did 20 episodes of that podcast and then I ended up sticking a fork in it. Like I wasted all that time. No, I I didn't waste anytime. I cut my teeth, right? I, I learned in a non-threatening way because very few people were actually listening how to podcast, some of the pitfalls to avoid. And then when I started Order of Man, I was able to springboard or catapult off of what a lot of people might dub a failed podcast. And I don't look at it as a failure. I just realized that it was a learning experience that I could build upon and you know what? In 10 years, I might do, be doing something completely different than Order of Man, but that doesn't mean the previous 15 years was a waste. Right. It just means I learned a skill set. My financial planning practice, even though I no longer own it, I sold my practice, that wasn't wasted time. I learned, like you said, how to communicate, how to overcome objections, how to market myself, how to craft the story, how to communicate and present well. These are not wasted efforts. They're learned skills. They're skill acquisition efforts, if you will. Yeah, I wanted to point that out, especially for the young people that are listening, because I think that because of the Instagram culture that we live in, uh, too many young people are evaluating opportunities based on short-term gain rather than long-term opportunity. And uh, it like physically hurts me to see because I see people that's like, well, I can, you know, I can go make $5,000 a month here and I can go do that right now. And it's like, yeah, but you're doing something that doesn't make you better. It doesn't let you meet anybody awesome. It doesn't form a skill set that you can take into the rest of your life. You're looking at it in a very, very, very narrow approach and needs to be looked at in like a more just holistic approach. 
that says like, hey, this is an opportunity I'm evaluating based on not just short-term income, but also long-term impact and what I could be doing and implementing into my business or my career, whatever it is that, whatever path that you're on in the future. So yeah, I just, I, w- I wanted to take a second just to really point that out to make sure people don't get the wrong idea. Like, well, it's just luck. See, see, Ryan said, yeah. like yeah. he got lucky. He was like, no, no, it's just, <laughs> there's so many things that you did along the way that enabled you to take advantage of the good timing that you had. Well, the other side of it too is how many guys who might potentially be saying what you're saying right now have opportunities that they don't even recognize because they're not prepared. And so Mm. they'll say, I never get lucky. No, dude, it's that you don't even recognize it when it's slapping you in the face because you're not ready for it. Like you had plenty of opportunity, plenty of opportunity, and you squandered it or even worse, you didn't even recognize it because you weren't, you weren't there. You weren't ready for it. Yep. Yep. Totally true. It's like that uh, little story that people tell about the guy that's in the ocean and he, and he's uh, stranded on a boat by himself in the middle of the ocean. And he starts praying to God, God, please help, help, like, please save me, save me from, from this, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Please save me. And a boat comes by and uh, they say, Hey, we're here to, you know, save you. And he goes, Oh, don't worry. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. So the boat leaves and then another boat comes by and he says, Oh, God's going to save me. Don't worry. God will save me. And then that boat leaves again. And he, he starts praying harder. God save me, save me, save me. And then another boat comes by and, and, and then he pushes him away. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. He keeps praying, keeps praying, eventually dies. And uh, he gets up to heaven and he goes up to God and says, God, why didn't you save me? And God goes, man, you got to meet me halfway, get in the boat, right? Yes. Like <laughs> it's yes. that, it's I that whole three thing. boats. Exactly. Yeah. Like you got to realize and op- like see that there's an opportunity and then you have to take action on that opportunity. You can't just hope that the ideal thing comes around and all the things are going to line up. It's just that it just doesn't work that way. Unless right. like a very, 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 very small percentage of people <laughs> that, that works for most yeah. people, it's not going to be like that. So well, but even if you win in that route, you didn't, I mean, I look, I look at lottery winners, for example, you know, mm-hmm. the statistics are they lose their lottery winnings within, I don't know, you know what it is. It's like three or four years yep. and they end up more miserable than before they won the lottery. Why? Because they didn't earn it. They won something that they didn't earn and they didn't, they never developed the, the skill set required to maintain, let alone earn that level of wealth. And because that's the case, they squandered it and put themselves in a worse position. So this goes back to what we were saying about earn the title, earn the title, earn the right, go out there and and make it yours. Yep. And the best thing about that is you have peace of mind. I was having this conversation, uh, and you probably know him, David Meltzer. I was having this conversation with him. And uh, this is a guy who lost $100 million in the last crash. Like his net worth is $100 million and he lost everything, filed bankruptcy, all that stuff. And I was, I was talking to him about that. I was like, man, how do you deal with that kind of loss? Like, how do you go from having that to like, like starting from scratch again. He's like, you know, I, I honestly, I, I had a piece about it because I just have this internal belief that money is energy and I'm somebody that attracts that kind of energy into my life. And mm. uh, I'm always going to figure out how to make it back. And uh, w- when you're a lottery winner, the reason those people get like crazy depressed is because they know they're probably never going to see that amount of money again in their life because they yeah. don't know how to get it. They got right. extremely lucky to get it. That guy, mm-hmm. Dave, built up his entire $100 million fortune before he made a couple of really key mistakes that made it to where he couldn't pay on a couple of like the bigger properties that he was invested in. So when they called in the debt, he couldn't do it. He had to file bankruptcy. He learned a couple of those lessons and then he went out and did it again. And now he's the CEO of one of the largest sports marketing agency in the entire country and stuff like that. And he's got that nine figure net worth behind him again. It was just like, he wasn't freaking out during that period of time. I'm sure he was as to a certain extent, but he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't go into spiraling depression because he knew that he had earned the right to like have those chops 
right? Like he earned the right to get there. And so he can just go do it again. He's got the connections. Mm -hmm. He's got the knowledge. He's got the skill sets. He's got all the things lined up. Now it's just going to take him a couple of years to get back on top. That's why they always say, if you took all the wealth in the world, distributed it out equally to everybody in the world, the people who have the money now would end up with the money again, because those are the people that just know how to get it done. So I'm curious now heading into the podcast, we talked about a couple of benefits of the, of the show and, and what it's done, what it's done for you and, uh, and the benefits of audio uh, content. So I, just kind of ending here on, on a couple of these things. One of the biggest things, the biggest side effects, I guess, the cherry on top of starting my show is what it's done for my network. And ironically, my show is called Build Your Network, but I was not completely expecting it for it to build my network as much as I was trying to help other people build theirs. And sure. it just happened to be that when you do this kind of stuff and you have a real platform that you've created that you poured a lot of time and effort and energy into with real people listening in, you can end up connecting with a lot of people who are people that you didn't even think before was possible for you to connect with. So besides connecting with people, what are another one or two major benefits of podcasting, even if your show never ended up getting millions and millions of downloads and being ultra wildly successful like it is today? Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes off, uh, comes to mind is accountability. You know, I like I'm putting myself out there. I'm, I'm suggesting strategies for being a more capable man. If I don't have my stuff locked down, a hypocrite at, at best. So that level of accountability that's built into attempting to lead an organization and lead other human beings into something different is invaluable. So obviously we've got the network you mentioned, we've got the accountability and then just the skill development. You know, we talked a little bit about experimentation and trying different things. And this platform allows me the flexibility to do that. When I was with that financial planning firm, I had a lot of these ideas with regards to starting a podcast and being more active on social media. And all of that was shut down. There was so much red tape and compliance and regulation built into it that Mm. I just wasn't allowed the freedom and flexibility to test these things. And I feel like if I did have that opportunity, I really could have made something of the practice quicker, sooner, been more profitable, helped more people, a healthy organization I was working with, but my, my hands were tied. Now they're not. The limit of what I do is limited to my ideas and my willingness to take a risk on those things. So I've tried things that, that didn't work. You know, I, the very first event that I tried for Order of Man, not a single soul signed up. I won. Nobody. And I lost a, a little bit of money, a little bit of time, and my own so self-respect. You, but, so, you, so you quit, right? Yeah. So I was <laughs> yeah. done. So I stuck with working then. I was like, well, I guess... I yeah. guess nobody wants what I have. And then I just ran <laughs> into the corner and did what you do when you wallow in your own self-pity. And I just regrouped, man. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Let's take three or four more months, figure out what went wrong, try to do this a little better. And the second event, we sold out. We had 20 individuals there. In fact, we call ourselves the Terrible 20. And mm-hmm. that was the, the springboard for, gosh, I want to say we've run close to 10 or so events now over the past three, three and a half years. Wow. And every single one of them, We've sold out, but had I quit or not tried at all, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah, I mean, so many, so many lessons here to take away from this, Ryan. Uh, we're, we're running out of time, so I do want to have a dive a little bit further into the networking conversation since we were just talking about it, bringing it up sure. a little bit. The one question that I've asked every single guest that's come on the show to get this conversation moving in the right direction is this: Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important, and why? That's an interesting question. It's hard for me to do the either or because I'm like, I want both. I want to know a lot and I want to know the right people. But I feel like if you know the right people, then you can get the right information. 
I sat down with a friend at lunch today, very, very successful businessman here in, in our in a neighboring town. He's become a close personal friend and somewhat of a mentor of mine. And, and we sat down over breakfast and I talked with him about growing our YouTube channel and doing some other things that we're considering doing. And he has such a great perspective on the things that I wanted to do. I didn't know that stuff, but because I know him, I have an opportunity to learn those things. So I guess I would err on the side of knowing the right people and then extracting the right information from there. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's the one thing that makes me choose who every day of the week is just that I just always see my what increase in an exponential way if I get around the right who. And I don't necessarily see the reverse of that. Like your your who will increase with your what. If you're really, really good at what you do, you're obviously going to be put in front of of really quality people, right? But I don't find it at, at an exponential rate. I think that whenever, if I'm trying to learn something, the best way to immerse myself in that is... Yeah, pick up a couple books, listen to some audio, grab a couple podcasts, whatever. But the best way is to go get around the people who are doing it best and learn directly from them and implement it. And it just works. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like if somebody's done it, you can do it. Just go figure out what they did and reverse engineer it and put in the same work and effort and tweak along the way. Because like for for my podcasting journey, I started uh, about two years ago, August of 17. And um, my mentor was John Lee Dumas, who started his show in 2012. And so the landscape of podcasting is completely different in 2017 than it was in 2012. So I can't like some of the things that he taught me were things that like, hey, they don't really apply to me at this point. But I'm going to do everything that I can do that he said that works. And then I'm going to figure out some other things that maybe are working currently in today's landscape. I'm going to implement those things. So it's just like what you said, like, hey, it didn't work. Well, guess what? Maybe I just got to figure out what does work and try it again instead of just being like, well, it didn't work. So now I'm going to go work at Starbucks again. It sounds so comical when you say it like that. And yet every single one of us have done that. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, it's not for me. One of the things that I get a pet peeve about is when say, oh, I guess it wasn't God's will. Like, (laughs) look, I'm I'm spiritual. I believe in God, but what does that have to do with anything? That would be like that would be my like my son not something not working out in his career endeavor, and he's like, well, I guess my dad doesn't want me to be successful. Yeah, that that doesn't have anything to do. Oh, we put too much responsibility on third parties. Spiritualize too much. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, absolve absolve ourselves of the responsibility. Just like your your analogy earlier with the boat. Partly your responsibility here, you know, like right. you have a part to play in this thing. Yep, yep, exactly. It's exactly that. It's just absolving responsibility. Like there's just a thing that exists inside of all of us where we don't want to take resp- responsibility for something that goes poorly, but mm-hmm. we do want to take responsibility for something that goes really well. So yeah, those are the people. Those are the people that are always super comical to me. Is like anything bad in their life happens, it's not their fault and it's not their responsibility. Anything good, anything that's positive, yeah. they take the ultimate responsibility, right. even if it's somewhat lucky. <laughs> Like, it'll be like, oh, that seems kind of lucky. And they'll be like, well, I did this, 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 and this to make sure that this, yeah. you know, and it's like, but then something <laughs> bad goes wrong. That's like completely something that it's like, hey, that was probably your fault. And it's just like, well, this happened. And then, you know, it was kind of cloudy out that day. And I hadn't seen him in a while. And I just, I couldn't show It's just like, oh my goodness, man, do you realize what you're doing? Like, if you <sighs> never take responsibility for anything that bad that ha- anything bad that happens in your life, then how can you take control and prevent or make things better in the future? That's the biggest thing right. to me. Like the number one reason to take responsibility for everything that happens in your life, regardless if it's intrinsically your fault or not, or your responsibility or not, like taking the ultimate responsibility is the only way that we can have any control over anything going forward or else everything is just always up to some third party thing right. that just has ultimate control over our lives. And in that case, why do we even wake up in the morning? What are we, why are we, why are we a, doing what we do? It's an inferior position because what you're doing is you're hoping that some external factor that you have no control over feels like it should extend its mercy to you that day. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. 
it's an inferior position, much stronger position. And I'm not saying take blame for things, but there's a difference between taking blame and taking responsibility Responsibility, or taking fault or responsibility. Those are different terms and different meanings. So if it's in your sphere, then take some responsibility over it and control it to the degree that you can. Love it, man. There's uh, man, so many things that we keep talking about here, but we got to move into the last segment. Something I like to call the yeah, random no round. Just a few really quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Fighter pilot. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and talk to them for an hour, who would it be? Teddy Roosevelt seems like a fascinating individual. So and, I really enjoy a conversation with him. The perfect answer for uh, being a man, too. That dude was. That dude was a, a man. Agreed. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I would say audio is number one because I could be doing other things while I'm consuming that audio. And then books would be a close second because I can actually sit down and unplug from everything else and focus only on that. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. I wake up at 5.30, um, have some water, and I either train. When I say I train every day. Now, what I do is different. So half of the days I'm in the gym uh, doing strength training. The other half I'm in the gym doing jujitsu. Come home. I sort of do that for about an hour. Come home. My gym is here. My gym equipment is here to train jujitsu. I go somewhere else. Uh, I come home. We do breakfast with the family, family scripture study, family prayer. Everybody breaks. Actually, before that, we do a little quick family meeting to make sure we're all on the same page for the day. Then we break, go about doing our thing. I get ready, come into the office, plan for about 20 minutes, and then hit the ground running from there. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> that would be very difficult for me to answer. I don't, I don't listen to a lot of music. I'm not a music guy. And, and in fact, anybody who's tuned into what we're doing with Order of Men knows that. I just, I don't Music just doesn't do it for me. So that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, could, I, I have no idea what that answer would be. <laughs> no worries. No worries. What? Drop, maybe. Yeah, I, don't know. I was going to say, if, if you need some recommendations, I have like 300 guests who have told me their answer. So yeah, well, I, I really <laughs> put together don't, a playlist for you. Even if I had the, the best playlist in the world, I wouldn't listen to it. So yeah, there you go. That, I mean, that, <laughs> that, there's the answer right there. What is something outside of business that you are not very good at? Well, I know that I don't enjoy flying. I don't enjoy that. <laughs> so I'm not very good when it comes to commuting and traveling. I'm not a real patient individual. So that don't enjoy flying. So don't enjoy flying, but you want to be a fighter pilot. Yeah, because I do believe in facing your fears. And, uh, and I, think, I think that that would be very, it would just be cool. It would just, it would be, just be epic. Really cool. Yeah, it would for sure be, it it would would. For sure be amazing. That's yeah. actually the one thing that I would shave my beard for that I can think of right offhand. Because people uh, would ask me, why, why, what would you shave your beard for? I'm like, if I had the opportunity to fly in a fighter jet and they said, you have to shave your beard so your mask will fit and work correctly, I would do that. Wow, that's big time. Anybody listening that can make just that happen. Just put it out there. Yeah, just exactly. It out there. <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, my man, what is one place online where we are going to be able to find you the most? Online is orderman.com. That's our, our website. And since you're listening to a podcast, just search Order of Man wherever you're listening to this and you'll find our podcast as well. Yeah, highly recommend checking out Ryan's show, The Order of Man. If you want an episode recommendation, definitely go check out his most recent episode with Jocko Willink. I'm always, always amazed when, when, that, when that dude talks and uh, Ryan does a great job, has some great rapport with him. And uh, uh, so that's a great one to start with. So go check out Order of Man of the podcast and then go check out some of the other things that Ryan's doing online. That's at orderofman.com. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on the show today, my man. I had a fantastic time chatting with you. I did as well. Appreciate it. 
Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas this coming November, then you're going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited, so you need to act fast on this. Head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will over deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.